0: This is a GAO Media property in partnership with Jacob Media.
1: Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You've got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level, the second level. on the SportsMap Radio Network. A show where we go beyond the box score.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can.
1: Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Eitan Shander.
2: What a day we had yesterday. We we still have one more game to get to tonight. And before anybody accuses me of anything other than dealing with this sinus infection, I imagine, to self-medicate and diagnose, Feels like and I know that I'm not alone in this area here as the northeast east coast down to the mid-Atlantic is feeling the effects of all of the winds that have moved the craziness that's happened out with the fires out west. And that wind has carried a lot of the particles in the air. So people out west have been used to this and trying to acclimate and get around it. Meanwhile, us us wimps out here. It's brand new to us. So I thought I was alone, like maybe I was allergic to something in the house. Turns out it's like everybody in this area is dealing with this. And no, I don't mean area like Delaware Valley dealing with the Philadelphia Eagles loss. But there is just something that is carrying throughout the country. And local news here even did a story on this to where people are complaining now. The last week to two weeks, just about – how difficult the air is to breathe, and how much stuff, and stuff isn't always the term that's used to describe what's in the air, but how thick it is throughout. So dealing with whatever we have out here, I'll do my best, but it does feel like when you wake up, somebody wakes you up with a shovel across the face, like right between your eyes. you know, like you got hit with a BB. That's probably a better way to. Shovel is too wide. Shovel takes your whole face. It's like somebody with a BB gun and a laser has pinpointed that area right between your eyes, and they just let a couple of them fly. Bow, bow, bow. Wake up. Wake up. And then it's like, whoa. Now, my football team did not wake up. We'll begin with the 0 and 2s because I think, despite it being so early in the NFL season, a couple of teams have given up this year, and it's not the one we thought all that coming up right now Sports Map Radio
3: At the
1: Sports Map Radio Network, we wear Boomer Naturals masks. Order now at boomernaturals.com. Use promo code SportsMapRadio for 20% off. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level. On the Map Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage.
1: From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander.
2: Last night was a ton of drama. It was as good as it gets to wrap up the weekend. And, and clearly where we should begin right now. With the Seattle Seahawks at the top of the NFL. Russell Wilson just dominating. But at the same time, the Patriots had a chance to win that football game. And Cam Newton clearly throwing the ball well, running the ball as well, and the Patriots' defense was good enough, but still with a chance to, as you saw with Russell Wilson, five touchdowns, still with a chance with everything that went down, giving up the 35 points, a chance for the Patriots to win that thing on the road. Now, it was a fantastic football game. And I'm sure the ratings are going to be through the roof when we get all that that comes in. But it was for a couple of teams, maybe you want to throw in a one and one team. But for a couple of teams over the weekend, and now as we head into week three minus this game tonight, you pretty much know where your team is. You pretty much have a good idea of who your team is. And I don't necessarily think it's everybody so far in the National Football League. But if you look at, let's say, the Ravens and the Titans, more so, and we'll get to that Chiefs-Chargers game here because it was the one that was up in a lot of question the Friday before this weekend that we had our final show. But the Ravens, we know the Ravens are, based off of these two weeks, they're not going to turn into a different football team. They're impossible to stop on offense, and their defense is playing really well despite going up against one bad team and one kind of okay team. And I think Houston is better than what Owen 2 is. They happen to go up against the top two teams in the AFC to open up. They aren't that. That's one thing we definitely know about Houston is they're not number three. When you look at, well, okay, take Baltimore and Kansas City out. Who's, it's not Houston. Tennessee survives. That's what Tennessee is going to do all year. And Ryan Tannehill is not all of a sudden going to forget how to throw the football. He has worked himself in as long as you throw Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers in there as well. But he has worked himself, Tannehill, into the MVP discussion. NFL was awesome yesterday and I say that watching my football team destroy itself just completely destroy itself but if you want to look at before we really praise and rightfully so deep I guess dive into what happened last night and what this means for the Seattle Seahawks who once again find themselves in a position to run away not only with the division but separate themselves, and we'll see what happens tonight in Vegas with this Saints team. But the Packers, we knew were going to be there. Cardinals, I don't think people believe are going to be there when it's all said and done. Rams, mm, that Eagles team is bad. That Eagles team is really bad. They lost to Washington, and you thought maybe that was a fluke, but it was probably more a representation of just how bad the Eagles can be on any given day. Right now, there are a bunch of 0-2 teams, 11 teams right now without a win. Of these 11 teams, and if you want, you can just start from Minnesota all the way through with Houston, the Giants, Broncos, Falcons, Jets, Eagles, Dolphins, Lions, Bengals, and the Carolina Panthers. Now, injury, which is a major storyline that we'll touch at 1140 this morning. But if you just want to look at the 0-2 teams who are really in trouble right now, like 0-2, your season is over. I'll argue that as bad as the Philadelphia Eagles looked and as difficult as it was to watch Carson Wentz turn the football over, even Miles Sanders early on as they got him back turned the football over. Their defense has given up a ton of points so far. The Eagles are not a good football team, but they're not out of it. New York is out of it. Both New York teams are out of it. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, that Jets team, no Bell. That Jets team is a disgrace to football. They're not the worst team in the NFL, but they're not far off. And you can make a pretty strong argument that they'll finish as one of the top two bottom feeders. The Giants lose Saquon Barkley, and what else you got? That's it. Your defense isn't going to stop anybody. Like, we know already that the Giants and the Jets are cooked, that the Giants and the Jets have no more life, and their season is over. Two weeks into it, their season is over. There is nothing redeemable right now about what the Giants can do because they're barely going to win four games, if that. And there is nothing right now you can look at from a Jets team outside of how long until they fire their head coach. The Eagles, on the other hand, are a bad injury in Dallas Or that second wild card available. They're just a couple of wins away from backdooring their way into the playoffs. As bad as it was against the L.A. Rams, and that was a brutal loss, Carson Wentz single-handedly lost a football game yesterday against the L.A. Rams. Do you have the booing, the piped-in booing that they had from Veterans or from veterans Stadium? This is well, where my mind is. I want to go probably, back.
4: I think he wants to go play at Veterans Stadium. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, seriously. The, trust me, they would have run his tail out of there at Veterans. He would have yeah, made man. it to the half at Veterans Stadium. I,
4: I will give you a choice. Do you want the booing after a three and out, or do you want the booing after an interception?
2: Well, was this the interception in the Rams' end zone? Yes. That negated what should have been a scoring drive, at least a field goal, if not a touchdown for the Eagles? Yes. That's the one I want, please. And Wentz,
4: too tall for Zach Ertz, and now fourth down for the punt team back on for the no, Eagles. that's a trade-out.
2: John Johnson there coverage. Oh, no, that's fine. So that will set it up. That's the three and out. Now let's hear what happens when Carson Wentz, again, single-handedly derails his football team.
0: A
4: lot of crowd. It is a lot of crowd. A lot of fans in the stands uh, yesterday, huh?
2: It needs to be a little louder, though. In order to for it to be truly realistic, like, I needed a, a couple of curse words in there, a little bleep action yeah. in there. and it, it didn't feel... You know, maybe the Eagles would have come back and won that football game if they had the, the all of the negative stuff that they're used to hearing. All of that as far as a catalyst. <laughs> hey, move your bleep, bleep, bleep. get Win this damn game or something along those lines. That seemed... As realistic as it sounds, as far as just a bunch of people booing, at Lincoln Financial Field in South Philadelphia, it's a little different as far as the specifics of what gets said. But if you look across the board right now, the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's breaking news regarding Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be sidelined a couple of weeks So add it to the injury list across the NFL. And again, 20
4: minutes from now, we'll talk about that. Real quick, off subject, right? Yes. How's my number two overall pick looking now?
2: Well, it's not because of anything more than the number three (laughs) overall pick is done for the year. Like, I don't do you anticipate Saquon
4: Barkley playing anymore? No. No, that's it. So, but I mean, that's, he, it's that's, not like he was playing great. I'll give you that. The the problem with that is, though, is that's where I peaked this fantasy season with Ezekiel Elliott was getting the number two overall pick because it has been all downhill for me since.
2: Well, I'm I'm right now week two. I'm like the Eagles. I'm about, yeah. get, about to get pounded for the second straight week. Same here
4: in our league. Same My here. goodness, I, I I only need uh, I need Alex Kamara to do nothing tonight. Alvin, Alvin. I'm sorry, Alex. I need Alvin theater. Kamara. I need Alvin Kamara to do nothing tonight, and Drew Brees to throw up like sixty points. Never but, know. But Drew Brees can't use Kamara. That's true. In order for me to win, he'd have to use Emmanuel Sanders at this point, <laughs>
2: all game long. Right. I got yeah. 34 and a half points from Cam Newton. It still didn't matter because I couldn't even get three <laughs> points from Saquon Barkley. Not yeah. even three points. I mean, that decimates you. When you're number one pick, think about this as you bring it up, but it's true. There that's are your so many cow. people. I'm sorry? That's your bell cow. Well, that's what I mean. Like, there are so many people. If you took Saquon Barkley, you took him top three. There's no way, unless somebody's an idiot in a draft, there's no way he fell to four. So imagine that you as one, two or three, most likely two or three, you took Saquon Barkley out there in your draft thinking, all right, well, at the very least, I have one of the top running backs, top three running backs, and I can move with that. And then you have to wait because it's a snake draft. So you have to wait for this thing to come all the way back to you. And by that point... You've already seen the board depleted enough. Saquon Barkley only playing two games, and then on top of it, those two games not giving you squat is killing fantasy teams. I guarantee you, Ron, that 50% of fantasy leagues are seeing this decimation right now Across the board, because guys have invested. So, think about it. McCaffrey is out for a couple of weeks. Saquon Barkley is most likely done for the season. So, maybe if you look at it in hindsight, we talked about this before the season even started, where fantasy sports, at least from the yearly st- stuff, was down. And it looked like there was some interest that was down. Now, some of it has to do with the pandemic, and I understand that. But maybe there was this general belief that guys are going to get hurt and it's going to be really tough to count on people. And we've seen that so far. Christian McCaffrey, the latest. But if you just look at where we are, 2-0 and is easy. That's easy. You can get on here and run down the list of the Packers, In the AFC, we know that the Chiefs and Ravens are legit. The Titans pick up right where they left off. The Bills were expected to do this. They were. Steelers have gone up against nobody, and they beat two teams, although Denver did cover that football game, minus Drew Lockett, quarterback, in which they most likely would have won outright. But last night aside, and last night was the real fireworks of the weekend, and that's what happens in the NFL as you end on Sunday night, at least on the weekend, with a fantastic game tonight it's not going to hold the candle to what we saw with the patriots and the seahawks but we'll still get a good game we hope on the flip side detroit is done chicago is now 2-0 and and that's a major difference but detroit the only saving grace for detroit right now they're not going to make the playoffs But the only saving grace for Detroit is we know about, like, 75% of their fate. Eagles, I think, and I hate to say it because they just haven't looked good at all only because of who they have went up against. And their defense specifically has looked atrocious. But Houston and Philadelphia are way more alive than their record. The Philadelphia Eagles are way more alive because of that awful putrid division in which they play in than their record. And the Houston Texans went up against two straight buzzsaws, and yeah, they went up against a the top two teams of in the AFC. It. Yes, and maybe in the NFL outside of Seattle right now. Yeah, which is crazy because. You look at how poor their defense played, especially yesterday against the Ravens. And, oh, all right, well, same old Texans. They give up crucial turnovers and all the other things that fall in
4: line. But the reality is is it's really tough to extract who they are from those two The reality is I don't think they were going to win anyways. No, not against either of those teams. I mean, you're going against Mahomes. You're going against Lamar Jackson. There's a reason why these two are the last two MVPs.
2: Yeah, they can be 10 and 6. The Texans could be 10 and 6 this year, and those two losses would still yeah. stay the same every time. Now, like, the Eagles care. and the Texans are the only Like, the Vikings Let's see, the are Eagles,
4: cooked. I mean, the, the Texans could miss out on the playoffs because you, there's some decent teams, and Jacksonville's showing up, which is kind of bizarre. Well, that's something. But again, the Eagles, that you have to
2: throw in there.
4: The Eagles, though, I could see just falling into the NFC East playoff, you know, representing the NFC East playoffs because nobody wants to win that division, or simply finishing eight and eight and getting that new wild I mean. card. Yeah, exactly. Just right, falling I mean, now, into it like, oh, shoots, we are playing in the playoffs. Okay, we'll do it. That's
2: exactly it. Now, Atlanta, <laughs> it was a crushing loss for them first time, and we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah, actually coming really. up. It's not really cool. I, it's We th- they need their own segment. The Atlanta Falcons is how bad that was. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys get a victory, but still. And I'll leave you with this thought. The Vikings, the Giants, unfortunately for the Broncos, the Falcons, we know the Jets. Look, Miami right now, it's too deep of a hole in that division with Buffalo and New England. Detroit, same thing. They'll be better than Minnesota, but not good enough because of what Chicago's done, 2-0. The Bengals, a backdoor cover waiting to happen, but they're not good enough yet. And Carolina lost McCaffrey, so they're cooked. All of these teams, especially Minnesota, their fate is pretty much solidified. It's decided. We'll talk about that improbable comeback coming up on the second level Sports Map Radio.
1: Listening to the second level on the Sports Map Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket Can.
1: From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander.
2: The big story that pops from the NFL, we'll, we'll talk about in 10 minutes and stretch and really be able to look at how this is going to impact the National Football League moving forward. There was one sports story out of the NFL this weekend because we don't have much time really to talk about stuff outside of the NFL that we must discuss. And now's probably the best time to do it. Russell Wilson, let's just look at what happened real quick last night. The New England Patriots are going to be a good football team this year. Cam Newton is working fine right now, adjusting fine with the New England Patriots the defense is there despite Stephon Gilmore giving up a touchdown for the first time I think in a long time you still saw the New England Patriots travel all the way out west and put up one hell of a fight right down to the final play of the game in which Cam Newton was stopped on the goal line with that said Russell Wilson threw five touchdowns to five different people and was an absolute beast separated himself from everybody else out there on the field and continues to show how smart of a football player he is and how key that is to have somebody in that position, that intelligent, when you're going up against great coaches like Bill Belichick. There is no – with the reinvented – think about what they've done. It went from Russell Wilson being a game manager – to handing the football off to Beast Mode and not really having much he can throw. Doug Baldwin throwing the football to, no knock on Dougie B, but it wasn't DK Metcalf. We know that. And John Schneider out there in Seattle has reinvented this offense. He shedded all the old guard of this offense and reinvented it to what modern day, like today, this year, nfl offenses should look like and here's russell wilson with the best talent from a skill set position around him in his career and he's thriving as a result of it because he still has an incredible skill set he can throw the football he can move with the football and he can throw open guys knowing the tempo and kind of feel of the pocket on top of that now he has both lockett and metcalf he can throw to on the outside routinely they have a running back that they can pound and throw to in Carson Russell Wilson right now is poised to continue to make a bid as he is each and every year for the MVP he'll have to deal with the two quarterbacks in the AFC for that but the Seahawks are starting to we'll see how long this thing lasts in Green Bay there's no reason to think that they'll fall off the train by any means but Right now, the Seahawks, as impressive as it's looked for Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers to a slightly lesser extent, Seahawks have merged right now with the Packers as the two teams to beat in the NFC. We'll see what happens tonight with the Saints. But those two teams are deadly right now and going to be a major problem for everybody else in the National Football Conference. Now, Ron, I defer to you for a second here. Before we talk about the injuries and everything that happened yesterday and how difficult the National Football League is going to be moving forward, I will say this. I don't know what major or I don't know what year or I don't know what stretch you want to go back to, what specific time you want to go back to. And this can carry over if we don't finish it in the next 90 seconds. But what Bryson DeChambeau did this weekend and yesterday, both, was the most impressive major win that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, like I, I, a long time. I think you can get away with saying that. I mean, I, I I guess now for the people that didn't watch it or don't understand what I'm saying, and this is why I, I defer to you because you know the game well, is it, it doesn't mean that he dominated like we saw Tiger or he dominated like we've seen uh Brooks run or something along those lines it's the fact that he dominated a course that nobody else could nobody nobody was under par for the final day of the round and the entire tournament.
4: Now, the the thing is, and this is what many people may not know: the U.S. Open is supposed to be the toughest tournament, the toughest major of them all. Which it was this which, year. I,
2: which I can't imagine is. there'll be anything moving forward right?
4: this year that'll be tougher at Wing than Wingfoot. Then, then, uh, no, no. I'm just saying U.S. Open in general, no matter where right. which course it is, is always built to be the tougher tournament. They make it difficult on purpose. Wingfoot is supposed to be one of the more difficult courses on the planet which and it then, is. Correct. And then you add those two together. And we we had predicted, you and I talked about it back I think all the way back on Wednesday, the winner probably will be plus 2, 2 over par, maybe 3 over par. After 4 days, we I mean we were saying you're going to be hovering around that 500 mark or you know, hovering around just breaking even because of what this course will offer.
2: Yeah, it it's ridiculous to see how
4: it shredded people. And Bryson was like, whatever. It, it didn't
2: even matter. I mean, the guy was under par on the final day. Nobody even hit. Even was the closest they got. And to watch him putt and wasn't just blasting the ball 500 yards. This was so. A lot of people missed it because of the NFL, and I get it. I missed a lot of it too. But damn it, Bryson did it.
3: One, two, three, and go.
1: Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level on the SportsMap Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage.
1: Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander.
3: Greg
4: Zerline from 46 to win it for Dallas. Hold is down, kick is up, and it's...
2: Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. That was the call on Fox right there. First time in five years that an onside kick was recovered. We also saw Andy Dalton make an appearance. What What is going on right now? The Dallas Cowboys down 20 to nothing at one point. The Dallas Cowboys with a ridiculous comeback that should not have happened. It simply should not have happened. There's no way the Atlanta Falcons should have given up that comeback on offense in which Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, and mainly Dak, who was very impressive, who threw the football a ton and for a lot of yardage and did not turn it over in the air. There's just no way your defense, led by a defensive-minded head coach, should be that bad. Yet, here are the Atlanta Falcons. And what's crazy is that if you look at the result of that football game, you can make the argument, two separate arguments, for the same result. That's who the Atlanta Falcons are. They'll get close, but they'll never quite be there with that defense as bad as they are. Meanwhile, the Cowboys are always going to be in a football game. If you just give them a little bit, right, just a little bit of leeway, some room to work with, knowing what they can do on offense— they're Honestly, especially because you're not going to find a ton of teams that are going to be lights out here in the NFL, but mainly in that awful NFC East division and a couple of other teams that they'll take on this year in their schedule, you can look at it, they're going to be in football games. It's going to be tough to completely knock the Cowboys out because even if there is a bad start or a bad half, they have the talent. They know that you're going to go to Ezekiel Elliott even if they're down 14 to 17 to 20 points, but that improbable comeback was monumental for the Cowboys because even if you look at how bad the NFC East is and how rough that division is going to continue to be all year and how tough it can be to climb out of an 0 and 2 hole, you add the injuries for the Cowboys, and now all of a sudden you start to think, well, that might a loss to the Falcons like that might keep them out of any type of wildcard push if, in fact, somebody puts it together. And then you start to realize all of that is a fantasy because the NFC East could have had three teams yesterday fall to 0-2. The only team that was 1-1 now after losing to the Cardinals, couldn't cover that seven-point spread, which was a gift if you listened because the Cardinals are rolling, was Washington. This is the worst division in the NFL, I want to say by a mile. But the Cowboys are going to take full advantage of it, and they're going to walk away with this division. Washington is going to come back. They are already coming back down to reality. The Giants don't have Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones can't stay upright. That offensive line is horrific, and that's not even their biggest problem, which is their defense. The Eagles are 0-2 for a reason. The Eagles got beat up, not beat, but beat up two straight weeks. So, yeah, Dallas is still the odds-on favorite because New York is done, and the Eagles are going to take a lot right now. It's not just Cincinnati coming up in week three. It's going to take a lot to turn that thing around. Dallas, on the other hand, got really lucky. They were able to pull that thing out, the onside kick. How the heck do you not know If you're the Falcons, how are you not coached to the point at which you don't realize that you can grab the ball before it goes 10 yards? It's the kicking team that has to wait. And here, the Falcons, a mental mistake, and that's what happens. Bad teams make mental mistakes, and a lot of people, because most of the coverage was over at the time, a lot of people got to see that Dallas Cowboys comeback. And you know what's crazy about all of it is – That Dallas Cowboys comeback, specifically the onside kick that they recover, and then going down, you heard the game-winning kick as well just now. That totally covered up for two ridiculously bad decisions by Mike McCarthy. Horrible decisions to go for it on fourth down two times over in Falcons territory. This while you're down big points. And if, in fact, the Cowboys could not have pulled out that comeback, Although they were live plus eight and a half for a lot of that first half. So hopefully, even if you took the, the Cowboys, let's say, minus four, like I did, you were able to make up in that live action when they were plus eight and a half. But beyond the game and how that hit from the line standpoint, Mike McCarthy was going to be in big trouble in that press conference. Big trouble. A lot of people were waiting to ask Mike McCarthy, Yo, dude, um, what happened? Why would you go for it on fourth down not once but twice in Falcons territory? Now it doesn't matter. Now you see they pulled that sucker out. So McCarthy can look back and say, "Uh, sorry, time's up. Got the victory. We're only taking positive questions today on the victory. It's amazing. But the Cowboys are really a perfect representation of what the NFL is right now. The NFL is two things. And we know through two weeks pretty much what we're going to get year in and year out. The NFL has about three or four teams right now on the top and three or four teams right now, probably a little more than four teams, but I'd say about three teams, three or four teams right now that are on the top and won't budge. The Baltimore Ravens, the Green Bay Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Seattle Seahawks are not going anywhere doesn't mean that any other team I did not mention isn't going to stay up there or win 10 games or be a force when it comes to making the playoffs. But we know right now that the NFL has four or five spots, and I left the spot open on purpose. But at the very least, we know those four teams, they ain't going anywhere. Aaron Rodgers would have to miss significant time, which is the second thing we'll talk about in the NFL in a second here. But Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, these guys would have to go down. Assuming that every quarterback is healthy, you've got those four teams. Now, the best part about the parity that we're starting to see, and somebody's going to lose that's 2-0 and next week, but you can be 2-0 and right now and still not separate yourself from a 1-1 team or even an 0-2 team in your division, depending on where you play. Now it's all about the one and one squads. Even the Raiders, if they lose tonight, or the Saints, for that matter, the one and ones are just jammed in there, and we just don't know yet. We'd like to think that there's a difference between the Patriots and the Jags, but we just don't know yet. That's the beauty of the NFL is it will start to reveal itself as we get a little deeper in the season. And we talked about the O and twos at the start of the show. Outside of the Eagles and the Texans, you pretty much know what you have with these 0-2 teams, but we start to see it already play out, and it gives us a really good idea normally of what these teams are all about moving forward. Every now and again, you're going to get an upset, and it's going to be tough to cover a big spread. Those things don't change, except everything this year is completely different, and it's because of injury. It's because there's no preseason. It's because even when there is a preseason, we see guys get banged up. The NFL right now, this week coming up, the next two or three weeks, the NFL will be incredibly difficult to predict. Incredibly difficult because of the injuries, because of the soft tissue injuries, because of the ankle injuries, because guys are now going to miss significant time. And nobody is safe. Look at the 49ers. The 49ers lost everybody. George Kittle didn't even play, and then they went out and proceeded to lose everybody, including Jimmy Garoppolo. It's tough. It's really, Drew Locke out immediately with the shoulder injury. Christian McCaffrey lost time and now is out for a significant amount of time. We saw a bunch of people go down yesterday in the NFL, and that's not changing. That's not changing at all. You're going to see guys go in and out of this NFL season really fast and unlike last year or the years prior to that it's going to be guys it's going to be big name we're just going to see it and it might be a quarterback that's out for three or four weeks it might be Michael Thomas that's out a couple of weeks it might be Christian McCaffrey but there was no bigger individual storyline even Russell Wilson throwing five touchdowns or Anything individual, there was nothing bigger than the likes of Nick Bosa, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas already. These guys out, going down, George Kittle before the game. This is a much bigger storyline than simply, well, your favorite team doesn't have its best tight end out there. We know that gambling via betting and fantasy, and those merge together all the time. But we know that it's such a big part of the conversation, especially during the week, like Tuesdays through Thursday until we get to Thursday night. It's a major part of the discussion. So, yes, Saquon Barkley on a garbage Giants team doesn't matter for the Giants because they weren't going to win anything anyway. But think about how many people are impacted on this. Think about it. It's not just you out there who drafted like me, Saquon Barkley in the first round. But now you have all of this from a betting implication, not only yesterday, and credit the Giants, because I don't know how the heck they covered that four-and-a-half-point spread, took the Bears minus ten-and-a-half the first time Barkley went down, and then Barkley's out for good. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, they're up. There's no way the Giants are going to score. Zero points for the Bears in the second half. When the Bears don't make the playoffs, go back to that second half, and you know why. But Barkley, again, McCaffrey plays for one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Teddy Bridgewater was awful. And the Carolina Panthers, although they're trying to create something new, they're not there anywhere close to being there. Now without McCaffrey, without Barkley, these are two huge names that play for awful teams, yet they're, huge, they're big stories because of the impact that fantasy and betting make. This doesn't happen in any other league. It doesn't. Not even the NBA or, or baseball. And baseball, again, it's far less of a carryover If you have a couple of guys that are really good or even one guy that's really good and your team stinks, okay, well, Mike Trout's out. It's not like the Angels were going to make anything anyway and then you kind of move on. Here, it's gigantic because we pay attention to every spread. We pay attention to every start or sit. But you saw a ton of guys go down. And this comes from the reduction in practice before you even had games this comes from eliminating the preseason entirely. This comes from limiting, pretty much trying to take away contact altogether. This was a huge discussion coming into the season about how guys would be impacted. And we've seen it already. To where two weeks into the NFL, multiple guys, multiple names, big-name players, Cortland Sutton left. Yesterday, that was huge for the Broncos. Devontae Adams with the hamstring injury. It's all over the place, and it's not just bad teams losing a guy that it wouldn't matter anyway because they wouldn't win more than four anyway with McCaffrey or Barkley. This has a huge implication across the NFL from a content to betting to fantasy standpoint. At Shander Show twitch.tv slash Show. No bigger storyline in the NFL right now than trying to keep up with all of the guys who went down and for how long. In fact, Ron's Chargers got a boost late simply because Tyrod Taylor couldn't go. We'll talk about that as we wrap the hour next.
0: Yeah, this right here goes out to all the babies, mamas, mamas.
1: You're listening to the second level on the Sports Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage, home loans that fit your life. Rocket Can.
1: From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander. Didn't we tell you, Ron, you were the one giving us a lot of
2: flack on Friday about the Chargers covering that football game. That's yeah, all we nah, needed was to, for them to cover. That's it, Chiefs by Ten. And look at what happened. As soon as that thing went to overtime, you yep. knew that eight and a half points was a lot. That's a lot, man. That is a lot of points. Yeah. But in happy? all fairness,
4: in all fairness, had Gerard Taylor played, that would have been, I would have been right. Well. No, no. It's not well. I would have been right. Okay. I, I Even still, though, it's not like the Chiefs.
2: Came out and they were lighting up the no, scoreboard. But Why I would don't that think change?
4: The, I don't know if the Chargers would have moved the move the ball as well as they did. And then what would no, have happened? No, Herbert
2: was really good. Her and then Herbert what would have really happened
4: good. is that the defense would have been on the field a lot longer than they need to be, and would have been tired. And Mahomes would have just been picking them picking them apart. Fair. I mean, Mahomes picks them apart anyways.
2: But you don't think they would have run Eckler as much as well? I, I don't
4: about. think they would have ran Eckler. I think they would have been playing from behind, so they would have had to go to the air a little bit more. Hey, probably you know would have what? had a lot more three and outs. They covered the damn score. That's all I needed. I, they did. Eight and a half was a ton. But how did Vegas know Taylor was going to go down? Huh? They, they, you know what? Those
2: things are built. Those skyscrapers are built with something. Man, can't just be on a whim that they're building no. these skyscrapers, right? How
4: did they know? And that was and it was humongous. Weird. It was weird. No one knows what really. I mean, the what bothered him no one still does still knows I mean all it was said to us was chest pains that sent him to the hospital was he having a heart attack well hopefully not but I mean it was enough that they had to
2: pull Taylor and here you go the Justin Herbert era has begun and it looks pretty good Chargers aren't a bad football team Ron your team's actually better than mine
0: This is a GAO Media property in partnership with Jacob Media.
1: Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. you got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the the second level on the SportsMap Radio Network. A show where we go beyond the box score.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can.
1: Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Hi. We're going to talk to
2: our NFL insider, John McMullen, this hour. So we'll recap a couple of the big storylines in the National Football League, including, of course, what happened last night where the Seattle Seahawks continue to show while they are the team to beat alongside the Green Bay Packers in the NFC. We do have a football game tonight, but I feel really confident saying that the way Russell Wilson is playing. Here's what happened outside of the National Football League. Nothing too crazy or insane in college that would totally derail what we saw in knowing that the SEC hasn't even played yet. But coming into I mean, Clemson with a huge victory, Notre Dame as well, there was no big upset. Even the Miami-Louisville game, as big of a victory as it was for Miami, those two teams were locked in. App State was the lone big upset in the top 25, and it wasn't much going on. So we await the SEC to return. We know the Big Ten down the line, but that's when things really start to ramp up. We're not there yet in college. The U.S. Open was won by Bryson DeChambeau in such a dramatic fashion in his own right. Who needs the Emmys last night? You had, look at this, sports provided 15 times more drama and theater than anything that the Emmys could provide yesterday. You had a full slate of NFL action. That ended, mind you, with Cam Newton getting stuffed on the goal line. You had Bryson DeChambeau, the only guy to finish under par, not only on the final day of the U.S. Open, but across the board for the U.S. Open. Absolutely incredible defeat in which he accomplished. And you also had, for the first time in what, 15 years? 14 years. The San Diego Padres are in the playoffs. And you're telling me that sports don't matter? Sports provided more entertainment last night than anything on the docket, and it wasn't even close. Second hour, second level. Right now.
1: Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level. On the SportsMap Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage.
1: From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So this came out just before we broke,
2: actually. And on brand, because we were talking about this story here. About how we really have no idea what's going to happen week to week. And such is the case with the Chargers. So Adam Schefter tweeted this. Chargers quarterback Tyrod Taylor is considered week to week with the chest injury that prevented him from playing Sunday per source. So Chargers, unsure of who their quarterback will be Sunday against Carolina. And you, as a Chargers fan, Ron, jumped in and I think made the point. Uh, they're not unsure. They know exactly they, what's going on. Yeah. This is just a determine and, and wait and see. You don't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It would take an injury for Justin Herbert, right? For Tyrod Taylor to get back there as the starter? Yeah. I mean, how in the world? Here's the thing. Tyrod Taylor is not a bad quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's not a bad quarterback. And if you know that you have a stopgap, like tyrod taylor in there in order to get you to justin herbert then maybe you thought you needed eight weeks or 10 weeks or 16 weeks before herbert's ready justin herbert played big man football that was some pretty big boy football he played yesterday
4: against the defending champions no that and that's the thing i mean this one thing if he went out there and just got totally blown away and we we probably still would have sat there and said you know what that's to be expected i mean you know he didn't find out he was starting until the coin toss you're going up against the Super Bowl chess. But he almost won that game. And, in fact, I mean, he didn't do anything to lose it. Anthony Lynn not going for it in fourth and one in overtime is what lost the game.
2: Yeah. You know, punching
4: I, I... back to Mahomes saying, oh, we're going to make Mahomes go go the distance to win it. Well, Mahomes is going to go the distance to win it. That's why he's, you know, the greatest quarterback on the uh, in the league right now.
2: Well, yes. And, and I think that the takeaway for Herbert was he was also able to move on the ground Dude, he and, knocked
4: a linebacker
2: out. Yeah, he looks NFL. <laughs> like, you can't go back to Tyrod Taylor you right can't, now. You can't. Unless the plan is to lose football games.
4: Yeah, I unless mean, you're wanting to take – well, what are you taking for? Not you're a not, quarterback, you're, you're you know not that. You're taking for Trevor. You have your guy. Exactly right.
2: So, unless they feel like they could trade that pick, but even no, still.
4: So, so, the best thing for him to do right now is get in there, take his licks – you know, because he, he had a couple of rookie mistakes. I mean, he tried to force a ball, ended up being intercepted. He, you know, turned the wrong way on a on a goal line play that, you know, cost him the chance to get a touchdown late. Yeah, but they were in that game because of him. They were. But, you know, but you expect those rookie mistakes. That's why was like, you know what, keep him out there now. Let him get all that stuff off. So that way next year rolls around and he's ready to go.
2: Yeah, I got to be honest. This would be a terrible decision in the stretch of growth right now for the San Diego Chargers, or pardon me, LA Chargers. I've got San Diego Padres making the playoffs first time in 14 years on the mind. The Chargers to go back now to Tyrod Taylor. Herbert looked really good. He was the best rookie of the day yesterday. There was no first year player that played better than Justin Herbert. And, That guy's going to give his team a chance. Look, the defense, look at the difference, right? And I'll appeal to you as well because you watch this team on a weekly basis, Ron. But also, we all got to see on Thursday night what a difference that the quarterback position can make, even if you're lowly at the bottom Cincinnati, that you can fight and that your quarterback, especially if he can move, can keep you in a football game, even if we're talking simply from a cover standpoint. And that's what happened yesterday, was a cover standpoint. So Justin Herbert has a better defense. He has a better football team around him. He has three guys he can throw to from the out position, a tight end who is arguably a top-five guy at his best on any day in Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler who you should be able to run and throw to. Like, Herbert is actually walking into a really good situation here with skilled guys around him. As long as they can protect for the quarterback in L.A. with the Chargers, the Chargers are just victim of the fact that they play in a really tough division where the Kansas City Chiefs are. But let's look at this now. The Raiders are taking on tonight the Saints. Raiders are six-and-a-half point home dog. It's going to be tough. Let's just assume, for the purposes of this conversation, let's just assume that the Raiders lose this game. If you are the if you are the L.A. Chargers right now, and you watch the Raiders lose to the Chiefs, how are you not thinking about the wild card? How are you not thinking about coming in second place in this division, maybe winning nine games this year, as a cap, knowing that you're clearly the door is open for you to be the second best team. In this division, you're not going to catch Kansas City, but you knew that coming in that you weren't going to catch Kansas City. It was just, all right, let's not be in the bottom. Let's stay away from Denver. Chargers right now, if in fact the Raiders lose this game tonight, Chargers look really good in a spot where they should be able to just be head above water, the second best team in this division. Bengals can't say that, even with Joe Burrow and looking like a better, more complete team simply because they have stability and skill if you will, at the quarterback position. Bengals can't say that. They're still in a spot where you think that they next week could change, but I saw they're getting six and a half on the road here in Philadelphia. I'm surprised if that thing doesn't at least hit seven, maybe cross over. It's tough to get a line to cross over seven, ten, three, but maybe it'll cross over to seven and a half, depending on how much I jumped in with the Eagles. I did not anticipate that thing to drop much at all. But again The Bengals, as a backdoor cover, are in play. The Chargers, forget a backdoor cover, Chargers to win a game is now in play. So I get having this report out there to kind of cover all bases and if Herbert stinks or whatever they think, they can go back to Taylor. But after what he did against the Chiefs, I feel like you have to keep moving. Now, this is coming in left and right here. Let's just take a breath. And try to gather everything. Because, again, fantasy football took a humongous hit this week. Humongous. Saquon Barkley is out for the rest of the year. I don't think there was a ton of shock there, but it's in. The report is in. Saquon Barkley is done. Now, Rap Sheet just tweeted this out. Christian McCaffrey is out four to six weeks, so at least four, probably five weeks with that, with a high ankle sprain following his MRI. There you have it. Michael Thomas tonight. You have Saquon Barkley for the year. You have Christian McCaffrey for the next month plus out. And this is not simply, well, just chalk it up to injury. This actually is why you'll find some teams still in it, even though they shouldn't be in it. Now, I don't think that the Minnesota Vikings are talented enough to beat anybody, so that's not going to help them if, in fact, you see that in their division, a big injury or so. Devontae Adams getting hurt in Green Bay is not going to open up any door for Minnesota. Minnesota is god-awful. They're just a terrible football team. But... You also can see why one key injury or somebody missing four to six weeks or somebody just being done because they get hurt this early in the season without finding really much consistency or stability before you get out there knowing that there isn't even any preseason. Humongous here. Major hit for the fantasy and betting world, which fuels a lot of what we do in the NFL, mind you. But that is gigantic. And now as we await especially word in San Francisco, just to see how bad that is. I can tell you this right here. The Eagles are down. I just see this here from Jeff Skversky in Philadelphia. Isaac Sayamalo, starting guard, is out. He'll miss some time and go on the short-term IR. Eagles offensive line, again, it's another guy down. So if you look at offensive linemen, if you look at skill guys, if you look at a running back on a really bad team to the best wide receiver in football. It's like a walking, it's a minefield. Forget time bomb. It's a minefield right now, and you just never know where you're going to step. You really never know who the next guy is going to be, and it's much worse now because there's zero preparation for it. Yes, we've had injuries before. Saquon Barkley's not the first big name to tear his ACL week two. It's not like this is the first time this has ever happened before. What it is, is a glaring representation of how the NFL forced everything back in immediately as much as they could, knowing that they had to deal with COVID and this ridiculously unique offseason. But a a lot of injuries are going to continue. And if it's Debo Samuel tweeting about the turf or people tweeting condolences to the Giants, the U.S. Women's National Team tweeting out something to Saquon Barkley, whoever's tweeting, whoever's talking about it, it's definitely a problem. And it's going to make the NFL insanely difficult to call moving forward because some of these, most of these, you just can't prepare for. You can't go into a game expecting the Carolina Panthers to cover something and then lose Barkley, or pardon me, McCaffrey. Can't do that with Saquon Barkley. Somehow the Giants still cover that football game, so what the hell do I know? How is that even possible? Now that's one I just, I don't get. How is that even possible in which Saquon Barkley is out for the game They outscore the Chicago Bears in the second half. Two teams, and maybe you have your eye on the Bears. But between the Bears and the Steelers, I I don't know which team that's 2-0 I trust less. Think about it. Steelers, everybody's high on because Big Ben is back. Mm, Not so sure based on who they beat so far. Same argument, same exact argument with the Chicago Bears not really sold on either one of those two teams, but at 2-0, and you can't ignore it. Think about it. It's kind of like the opposite argument we were making earlier with both the Texans and the Eagles. You've got the Eagles and the Houston Texans at 0-2, and they're really not 0-2. They're really not at a point where you can seal their season with a nail in their coffin. Much like I don't think the Steelers nor the Bears, are at any woods of concern by any means with what they've done so far against their respective opponents. Still, you go out, you beat who's in front of you, you move on from there, but it doesn't mean that we lock you in for a playoff spot. I'd be pretty surprised, to be honest with you, if the Chicago Bears make the playoffs. Very surprised if the Bears make the playoffs, even with that second wild card. Second wild card's gonna help the Steelers because the Browns ain't doing anything and the Bengals are just not good enough. Fake news, John McMullen or NFL Insider 1240 Eastern. Busy final 35 minutes here on the second level sports map radio.
4: So can I ask you a question? No. Fake
1: news with Ron. With all the fake news out there. Don't believe those shots. It's on Shander to give it to you straight. Three stories, but only one is fake. It's true. I know it's a weird thought, but it's true. Can Shander spot the fraud? Here's Ron Colbert.
4: All right, you might be without the assistance today, huh?
2: Yeah, it looks like John McMullen is ducking us because the Eagles head coach is talking right now.
4: Like I said right before he came back on air, what's he got to say?
2: I'm telling you, man, there is nothing that Doug Peterson is going to say today that's going to do anything at all to shed light on what happened. The Eagles are just bad. They're really bad. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz lost a football game. When's the last time you've seen your quarterback for the Chargers single handedly lose a football game? Probably last year with Phillip Rivers. Do you want
4: to Sorry about that? Well, well, I'm sorry, I was pulling on the man. The myth, the legend, John McMullen.
2: Well, look at that. We thought we were gonna get bumped for Dougie P.
4: Just got off with Doug. That's the fake news right there. No, we got faked out. All right, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We don't have much time. <laughs> All right, story number one. Ed Ogeron's mom, Coco, had the 60 Minutes crew eat her gumbo before they were allowed to do the interview. Was this a requirement? No. Well, no, Ed Ogeron was featured in uh, this past weekend 60 Minutes.
2: Yeah, but you made it sound like... That she
4: she actually made them eat gumbo.
2: Yeah, made made them eat first
4: before they could go on and do the interview with Ed Ogeron or interview her.
2: But here's the thing. Why wouldn't you? If if you're part of that CBS crew, you shouldn't have to be mandated into eating the gumbo.
3: Man. Right? I I, I believe the gumbo, apart from just being LSU and... and, and Louisiana. Louisiana, yeah. So I'm believing sort of the gumbo stuff. That
4: she forced, we'll she forced the crew to eat her gumbo and said, before we do this interview, you guys all got to sit down and eat my gumbo.
3: Ah, it sounds good. like a very Louisiana thing to do. I will say that. This kind of uh,
4: goes along with the storyline, too, with Ed Roger and all the characters are there, right?
2: Yeah, but the big thing here is that they made them eat the gumbo. There was definitely an interview with him. Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> well, that's got to be the change. I don't know what is made. I don't think she was going to put him in prison or hold him hostage. No, that's no, what I'm no, saying. No, like, did not. they have
2: to sign an NDA <laughs> no, or something? May, like, what you the never
3: hell? Know. you never know. You got to sign. You got to sign a wa- a gumbo waiver, like a co. Right,
2: waiver. right. I mean, what is going on here? They they forced them to do it.
3: Uh, it was
4: uh, <laughs> waterboarding. It was gumbo boarding.
3: Sometimes I think we go into these things too deeply. We think Ron is an evil genius.
4: And you're right. We do give him too much credit.
2: At like I, I, I do agree with what you're saying. All right, let's, let's hit story two.
4: Story number two, Floridians have now turned to using alligators to smuggle drugs across state lines. That's oh, only, right. It's only a matter of time before they use the gators, right? Yeah,
2: I would think so. The gators are coming, but I didn't realize they'd be here this fast. Yeah. Like, I guess you can't use murder hornets or, you know, those no
4: good sex. You got, got drug smuggling gators.
3: Now, Boy, you know, I, I, I hope that one's not true. Not that, you know, I mean, it's not like I want an alligator as a pet. I know they're going to chop my head off, but, you yeah, you don't want it. And, and that seems logistically difficult for me. I'd rather stick my illicit drugs in my safe compartment of my car. Not that I've done
4: that. I think you gave away too much there, John.
3: <laughs> too much information? No. Yeah. I, it just seems Eitan is slowly
4: I, I disassociating think, himself I, from you. I,
3: no, yeah, I, was I was just look, letting John, John go. Just, said, <laughs> just letting yeah. John go. Let me hang myself. Now, my point is I think, and again, i got to put this caveat because it's 2020, and I have experience in this, but I think I think drug dealers are looking to lower their costs, not increase them. That seems like a logistical nightmare. Yeah. I'm I, already leaning towards number two.
2: Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. There's there's <laughs> some of, good reasons because of the
4: lo- logistic nightmare I like
2: logistical nightmare. So this is John. He applies some line of thinking that we're not used to on this program.
4: And finally, story number three. The Chiefs sent a bottle of Dom Perrion signed by Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones to the woman who beat Schefter out on the Mahomes extension news. I
3: believe oh, that was true. I think I, I think I saw something of that nature. Because, is this uh, the woman who the girl was from in the, the convenience store. store? Yeah, the,
4: no, the woman who was working in the liquor store. Liquor store. Right. Where yeah, yeah. Chris Jones came yeah. in to buy a bunch of Dom Perrion. To celebrate. Yes, so. And she broke the scoop.
2: She didn't, like, break the scoop. She just tweeted what she saw.
4: Well, yeah, she said something big is going down.
2: Now, here's the thing. She works at a liquor store, and you're going to get her. That's like taking a waitress out for a drink. I mean, can you not do better? (laughs) Or a bartender. (laughs) Can you not do better than that? You're saying.
3: She's got, she's got her own employee discount for the Dom. Seriously, and, yeah. that's so she works yeah, at a liquor good. store, and
2: that's what they get her is a bottle of yeah. Dom P. But it's signed. <laughs> Who cares if it's signed? That's
3: true. It is signed. I, I will say, I know something like that happened, so I'm guessing that one's true. So by process of elimination, i to be going one. Right?
2: You're gonna go two just because of the logistical issue?
3: Logistical issue, yeah. Well, I, see, I'm one. I think is very, as I said, very Louisiana-ish.
2: Yeah, one is believable. I, I am a little up in the air about one, but how can I go against you in the streak that you have right now? I feel like I have to run the hot hand.
4: I feel like you have to just agree with John?
2: Absolutely. I'll Look, I'll go story two. Both of us here will go story two.
4: Oof. Right? Yeah. You sure I didn't like change a word or two here or there that might have tripped you up? You guys weren't paying. That's possible. Attention? That's
3: my.
2: I, well, no, I, my I gut imagine. says number one, but McMullen goes two, so I have to go two.
4: Yeah, well, you know what? Follow McMullen's gut, not yours. <laughs> the logistical problem with the alligator. Yeah, story two. I mean, they, you know what? I wouldn't put it past drug dealers to be smuggling drugs and anything, but I haven't. I don't have accurate. I don't have anything that says they're doing it with alligators, moving alligators across state lines. I mean, there
2: has to be some story somewhere on the planet of this happening.
3: Oh, of
4: course. I mean, well, way, you got to trap I kinda...
3: the alligator. I, I mean, you got to trap the alligator. What do you got to put yeah. a GPS on him? Then he got to
4: cut him open. I kind of loosely based it on uh, bad boys, Two.
3: Oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. As they were smuggling
4: drugs in coffins and in dead bodies.
3: You, 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 drug smugglers are trying to avoid work. That's why I went number two.
4: <laughs> you think it'd be too much work to try to get a alligator to cough up whatever is needed?
3: Oh, yeah, because training
4: work. an alligator is impossible. So exactly. once you have one trained, you know, you got to keep going back and using that same one again.
3: <laughs> and then, you know, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get that rep. So you're, you're, you're over, you're done. Your business is done.
2: It's amazing to watch, isn't it? John McMullen masterful through another rendition of fake news. Hopefully people are out there learning, picking up the technique to just poke holes through anything that comes out that might be remotely shady or fake. All right, we got a big conversation coming up with John regarding week two in the NFL. All these injuries next.
1: You're listening to The Second Level on the SportsMap Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can.
1: From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander. All right, so John McMullen
2: hanging out at JF McMullen, our NFL insider, Mondays and Thursdays, courtesy of Jacob Media. And I just can tell based off of Twitter and other forms of communication, that there was something other than sports, specifically the NFL, on yesterday. But who knows what it was, because we were so locked into another week in the National Football League, and it should start, I'm sure, John, with the level of injury that we see. And granted, this isn't the first year in which a big name has gone down, in the case of Saquon Barkley, somebody tearing their ACL in Week 2. But it sure does feel like NFL players are walking on a minefield right now, and at any given moment, anybody's going to go down.
3: Yeah, it did seem uh, a little bit worse than normal, to say the least. Uh, yesterday, there were so many uh, significant inju- injuries to big-name players around the league, and I think I knew this was going to happen at some point, and I, and I think it already has happened to a degree. People are going to say no season elevated injury risk, at least when it comes to torn ACLs, I I don't think that has much to do with it. Maybe you can argue. And I know the league was worried as a whole with no acclimation period. And they did the best they could uh, that there would be more soft tissue injuries, but it just came down to leak hooker uh, towards Achilles. Yeah. I I mean, those are injuries that I, I don't know if acclimation was going to help. I mean, ACL goes, Saquon Barkley, I, I don't know if that was going to change. Having an off season was going to change that. I mean, it's just this is a brutal sport. It always has been. It always will be. And, and that's why we talk about preseason predictions and say, well, if Kansas City stays healthy uh, at the key positions, you know they're going to be a good football team and things like that. But uh, the right injury on the wrong team. uh it changes things dramatically and that's why the NFL is so difficult to predict from week to week. Do you think
2: this is going to be a problem moving forward or do you think it's going to kind of wane off a little bit as we get in the next couple of weeks?
3: I mean, if you look at the history, yeah. If you look at the history of this league, I mean, those ACL injuries, for instance, they say at a pretty, uh, same type of level from year to year. So you see pretty much the same much and, and the same amount from year to year. Uh, and obviously you'll see a spike, maybe of five to six on a bad year, more than typical. Uh, but I do think when it comes to injuries like that, again, it's it's sort of luck of the draw. And I always bring up Zach Ertz because he told me this last year, the injury rate in this league is 100%. And if you play it long enough, You're going to get hurt. Simple as that. Just a matter of how dangerous, how devastating that particular injury is. But ultimately, if you play long enough, your card is coming up and you're going to get hurt.
2: Yeah, and, and that's been a big problem for fantasy betting, which is a huge element of this game. It's not just, oh, well, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley play on really bad football teams. It has to do with a lot of how the NFL generates its money and conversation around its sport. And and I don't think anybody else goes through this where two guys, and we'll use them as an example, John, two guys in McCaffrey and Barkley who clearly from a team standpoint are on squads that aren't doing anything this year, but are humongous losses to the conversation where I don't know if you'd find this yeah. in any other sport.
3: Now, I, and, and, and it is. And, and that type of situation, it doesn't. I, I mean, first of all, the injury rate isn't the same. Uh, and and the fact that you do have, um, in a lot of ways, that's what makes this sport so interesting in the fact that, okay, now you have to go in different directions. And you mentioned, yeah, the Giants and the Panthers aren't expected to be contenders. A- and now they have to figure out ways to move forward with what is the centerpieces of their offense i mean typically you don't see this in other sports and if you do see it it might be a a week or so or 10 days or two weeks and and now you got to completely morph in season and and try to do different things in a lot of ways it, it it makes it more interesting but certainly that's not what you want to hear uh if you're a giants fan or a panthers fan who's the worst team right now in the nfl Boy, I, I mean, I, I think the Jets are in that conversation, but that was expected. I, I think over the first two weeks, I think the worst team in professional football is the Minnesota Vikings, and I think that surprises everyone. Uh, veteran coach, uh, a lot of veteran talent on both sides of the football. And, you know, I, I, I talked about this a lot, and, and this was going to be a, a giant sort of stress test, this whole COVID environment for organizations, and there are certain organizations that are failing miserably. And I think it starts with Minnesota. And then the other surprise, I I think, is right here with us, Eitan, in Philadelphia. I thought, you know, people see the Eagles and see continuity um, and a good organization. And they're failing the stress test right now. And I apologize. There's people in my home, and my dog is barking.
2: No, it's fine. My phone just went off so I, we can chalk it up. Yeah, but the Eagles, so we were talking about this in the first hour, John. The Philadelphia, there are two teams that are Owen and two, and I, we counted 11 right now. So of the 11 teams, nine are pretty much who they are. Owen two, they're not going to do anything, even if they turn into a seven and nine year, maybe eight and eight, it's pretty much out of the reach. Owen two is who you are. But the Eagles and the Texans, I think, are the two winless teams that should still have playoffs on the mind. Is that accurate in your opinion?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree more so for the Eagles because bad division, uh, and and we'll see about the Texans. It's happened to them in the past, but I think Tennessee, for instance, is is a really good team, uh, and so I think from that standpoint going to be difficult to win the division. I think you know the Colts played well yesterday, but they were playing the Vikings, who were are a disaster. So you don't know how much that means. And plus, they suffered significant injuries, not only Malik Hooker, Paris Campbell, uh, and a couple other injuries as well. So I think that's going to hurt them moving forward. And remember, there's the extra playoff team as well. So there is at least a chance for these 0-2 teams to have a little bit more hope because you do have that extra team. Uh, But uh, it's going to be difficult, and and I think the bad division, let's face it, if the Dallas Cowboys didn't pull off Mm. that comeback yesterday, how bad would the NFC East be looking right now? I mean, it is just a terrible, terrible division.
2: Well, it it still looks bad. It just doesn't look glaringly awful, I think. (laughs) First time in five years a team pulls off an onside kick and it happens to complete a comeback. What do you make of that? Was that more of Dallas just turning on a light, or was that just a representation of how bad Atlanta is if they're not dropping back and throwing the football deep into the air?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of both. If you bring up that onside kick, I mean, the Falcons are sitting there staring at the football. I mean, what just go yeah, uh, so I, I mean, yeah, I, That at a certain point, it's just a lack of execution. Everybody's going to go back to the Super Bowl and remember that collapse, and, and, and because it's the same head coach, so you put that into the equation as well with game-managing skills, with, with that kind of lead. I think at some point that's fair as well. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to come back from that kind of deficit, obviously – uh, the team that loses probably has more to do with it than the team that wins. Uh, in, in the modern NFL, I mean, people can score points. Um, so maybe that aspect isn't that surprising. But, again, get on the onside kick and, and the game's over. So um, it's got to be a, a, a almost a complete collapse, and that's what it was for the Falcons.
2: Is Ryan Tannehill the MVP? I mean, come on, Russell Wilson threw five touchdowns last yeah. night. Aaron Rodgers is on fire. Lamar Jackson wins again. Even Patrick Mahomes is alive as the
3: Chiefs get that victory in overtime. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Ryan is, is, you know, saved his career obviously in Tennessee <laughs> and amazing. has done some wonderful. Yeah, he's done some wonderful things, but I, I don't think he belongs in the conversation with those guys. And the opposite end of that um, COVID nineteen spectrum of, of stress test, I think it's it's really comforting to have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers that can run things at the line of scrimmage. Russell Wilson, I put in that same category, and they're just so confident in their ability. I think at the end of the day, if you can default to a guy like that or guys like that, you're in a good spot. And this year, even more so, you're in a good spot any year, but even more so this year, because you don't have to worry about prepping guys up at the most important position. They know what to do. They know how to handle it. They're not going to lose their heads. And boy, that's that's more than a comfortable pair of slippers. That's exactly what you needed in this season more than any other.
2: John McMullen at JF McMullen on Twitter, NFL Insider, courtesy of Jacob Media, Mondays and Thursdays. All right, my friend, last one for you here. Who's going to be the first head coach? Is Matt Patricia
3: going to be the first guy out this year? Well, I was wondering if Dan Quinn would make it to next week after the collapse. He,
2: but he's still here. Like, he should have been fired <laughs> yeah.
3: last year. Yeah. So I, Doug I'm, Marone's not going anywhere. No. Nah, you know, you bring up Patricia. He's a good one because his team can't stand him. So that adds <laughs> to it as well. I mean, I, I talked to Darius. I mean, his team can't stand him. Uh <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, he would be in the conversation. Uh, like I said, you know, it's interesting. We just talked about the Vikings. Zimmer got an extension. Otherwise, right. he would be on the hot seat. Um, uh, there's obviously a number. Adam Gase, he got to throw. I mean, Adam Gase should have been fired. Brutal. He, he shouldn't Yeah, I, I mean, he should be in that conversation. And, and his team hates him as well. So, I, I would say those two. Uh, and for whatever reason, it seems like. And and by the way, I never advocate firing coaches during the season. Doesn't have no good. You might as well wait to the end of the season. That seems to be the Falcons' thinking with Dan Quinn. But yeah, I would say Matt, Patricia, Adam, Gaze more than any other, because their own locker rooms don't like them, and th- and that puts like an extra point of emphasis on the fact that they shouldn't be there
2: awesome stuff john appreciate it man it was a crazy week we're thankful to have you on every monday to break everything down real quick any chance the raiders pull this one out
3: yeah i mean so you know it'd be nice uh if have fans and it just continues to be it just has shifted the landscape so dramatically the fact that there's no home field advantages but uh, it's going to be difficult. I, I mean, the Saints are as explosive as as ever, but you know, Michael Thomas isn't going to be there. They're hoping he gets back, uh, so it's difficult. Uh, I, I would say they're not ready to take that step yet. Uh, but this is a crazy season. I, I would still say they're not quite ready to make that kind of signature win.
2: Awesome, John. Thank you, sir. We'll chat Thursday.
3: All right. Thanks, Aton.
2: That's our NFL insider, John McMullen. We wrap the hour next on The Second Level.
1: Dealing with the root of the issues. It's The Second Level on the SportsMap Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage.
1: Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. Here's Aton Shander. Well, it would be fitting for
2: today's show that one for the road would be another injury, right?
4: Cortland Sutton now is out. Torres yeah. ACL. How did the Jets not even make a dent in what the Niners did yesterday? What happened to the Niners yesterday?
2: Well, the, the Jets are just such a bad. I, football I mean, team. that is it's just Terrible unreal. Football, like the dude.
4: Niners lost four people yesterday to key positions. And the Jets couldn't what, they only got six points? Yeah. That's I mean They are such you, a bad football team, though. Gaze needs to be fired today. Well, he should have been fired before the season starts. Do you ever just think of Adam Gaze in the sense uh, did you ever see that taco meme or the taco gif of him? No, but I hate
2: I hate Adam Gase's face.
4: Well, no, so but I try but, to stay away from but that. But you guy. know that um that uh uh that video, like his press conference video where his eyes were just wandering all over the place. Right. There's a there's a short video out there. I, I advise you to watch it because it is funny. Where somebody put a floating taco everywhere he was looking. And the video of him has been uncut. Really? And it's just amazing to see how much this taco moves around. Because, that, remember, his eyes were just like. His eyes was, are just sitting there watering. Just right. All over the place. Like, like crazy. Looked, right. Yeah. Right. And I still have no idea what that was for. I mean, I guess, I mean, the guy's supposed to be smart, but. No, I, I don't think he's smart. I don't think he's a smart guy at all. He's, he's, he's terrible.
2: He's got lucky. He's so bad, that? yes. And he was privileged into that job. I mean, there's just no reason whatsoever that he should be coaching a football team as far as a head coach is concerned. But
4: Are you okay with him as a, uh, an assistant of some I sort? I wouldn't want him anywhere around
2: my team. He's poison. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I wouldn't want nobody there. Broncos cover of all things they cover against the Steelers they lose Drew Locke and now they lose Cortland Sutton I mean these injuries are ridiculous man. good luck trying to bet the NFL or even play in a DFS tournament I might have to take the week off next week man no yeah. idea no, seriously that'll, that'll
4: be, that'll be uh, that's fantasy too
2: I'm already cooked in our league yeah. forget our fantasy league I just I'm out Saquon Barkley's done. My squad is cooked. A lot of you out there are cooked as well. And then you got people like Ron Culver standing over you saying, I told you so. That's why I drafted Zeke. Yeah, but my team's not any better. That's the only saving grace that I have today is that your team stakes, too. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Matt Peralt next.
1: So, can I ask you a question? Oh. Fake news with Ron with all the fake news out there don't believe those lies it's on Shander to give it to you straight three stories but only one is fake it's true I know it's a weird thought but it's true can Shander spot the fraud here's Ron Culver. All right, you might be
4: without the assistance today, huh?
2: Yeah, it looks like John McMullen is ducking us because the Eagles head coach is talking right now.
4: And like I said, right before he came back on air, what's he got to say?
2: I'm telling you, man, there is nothing that Doug Peterson is going to say today that's gonna do anything at all to shed light on what happened. The Eagles are just bad. They're really bad. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz lost a football game. When's the last time you've seen your quarterback? For the Chargers single handedly lose a football game, probably last year with Phillip Rivers. Do you want to. Tell, sorry about
4: or? that. Well, I'm sorry. I was pulling on the man, the myth, the legend, John McMullen.
2: Wow, well, look at that. We thought we were going to get bumped for Dougie P. Just got
4: off with Doug. That's the fake news right there.
2: No. We got faked out. All right, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We don't have much time.
4: <laughs> All right, story number one. Ed Ogeron's mom, Coco, had the 60 Minutes crew eat her gumbo before they were allowed to do the interview. Was this a requirement? No. Well, no, Ed Ogeron was featured in uh, this past weekend's 60 Minutes.
2: Yeah, but you made it
4: sound like... That she she actually made them eat gumbo. Yeah, made, made them eat them first eat. before they could do go on and do the interview with Ed Ogeron and or interview her.
2: But here is the thing: Why wouldn't you? If if you are part of that CBS crew, you shouldn't have to be mandated into eating the gumbo.
3: Man, right? I I, I believe the gumbo, apart from just being LSU and 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 Louisiana, Louisiana, yeah. So I'm believing sort of the gumbo stuff that she
4: forced. We'll she forced the crew to eat her gumbo and said, "Before we do this interview, you guys all got to sit down and eat
3: my gumbo." Uh, it sound sounds good. like a very Louisiana thing to do. I will say that.
4: It just kind of uh, goes along with the storyline too with Ed Rogeron and all the characters are there, right?
2: Yeah, but the big thing here is that they made them eat the gumbo. There was definitely an interview with him. Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> well, that's got to be the change. I don't know what is made. I don't think she was going to put him in prison or hold them hostage. No, that's no, what I'm no, saying. No. Like, did not. they
2: have to sign an NDA <laughs> no, or something? May, like, what? You the never hell? know.
3: You never know. You got to sign. You got to sign a wa- a gumbo waiver, like a COVID right, waiver. Right.
2: Right. I mean, what is going on here? They they forced them to do it.
3: Uh, it was uh, <laughs> waterboarding. It was gumbo boarding. Sometimes I think we go into these things too deeply. We think Ron is an evil genius.
2: And you're right. We do give him too much credit because at times. I'm like I, I agree with
3: what you're saying. All
2: right, let's, let's hit story two.
4: Story number two, Floridians have now turned to using alligators to smuggle drugs across state lines. Oh, That's right. It's only a matter of time before they use the gators, right? Yeah.
2: I would think so. The gators are coming, but I didn't realize they'd be here this fast. Yeah. Like, I guess you can't use murder hornets or, you know, those no, fake
4: sex. You got drug smuggling gators.
3: Now, Boy, uh, I, I I hope that one's not true. Not that, you know, I mean, it's not like I want an alligator as a pet. I know they're going to chop my head off, but yeah, you don't want it. And, and that seems logistically difficult for me. I'd rather stick my illicit drugs in my fake compartment of my car not that i've done
4: that i think you gave away too much there john
3: (laughs) too much information No, i it's a time is slowly
4: disassociating himself from you
3: Nope, i was just letting john go just uh, Just letting john go let me hang myself now my point is i think and again i gotta put this caveat because it's 2020 and i have experience in this but i think I think drug dealers are looking to lower their costs, not increase them. That seems like a logistical nightmare. Yeah, I'm I mean, already leaning towards number two.
2: Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. There's there's <laughs> some of, good reasoning. Because of the lo-
4: logistic nightmare, I like
2: logistical nightmare. So this is John. He applies some line of thinking that we're not used to on this program.
4: And finally, story number three: the Chiefs. Sent a bottle of Dom Perrion signed by Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones to the woman who beat Schefter out on the Mahomes Extension News.
3: I believe that was true. I think I I saw something of that nature. Is this the uh, woman who who was in the the convenience store? store? Yeah,
4: no, the woman who was working in the liquor store. Liquor store. Where Chris Jones came in to buy a bunch of Dom Perrion. To celebrate. Yes, so. And she broke the scoop. She didn't, like, break the scoop. She just tweeted what she saw. Well, yeah, she said something big is going down.
2: Now, here's the thing. She works at a liquor store, and you're going to get her. That's like taking a waitress out for a drink. I mean, can you not do better? (laughs) Or a bartender, (laughs) can you not do better
3: than that? You are saying. She's got, she's got her own employee discount for the Dom. Seriously? And, yeah. that's, so she works yeah, at a
2: liquor good. store, and that's what they get her is
3: a bottle of yeah. Dom P. But it's signed. Who cares if it's signed? That's true. It is signed. I, I will say, I know something like that happened, so I'm guessing that one's true. So, by process of elimination, i gotta I'm going Got to be one, 2
2: right? You're going to go two just because of the logistical issue?
3: logistical issue, yeah. Well, I, see, I'm one... I think is very, as I said, very Louisiana-ish.
2: Yeah, one is believable. I, I am a little up in the air about one, but how can I go against you in the streak that you have right now? I feel like I have to run the hot hand.
4: You feel like you have to just agree with John?
2: Absolutely. I'll Look, I'll go story two. Both of us here will go story two. Oof.
4: Right? Yeah, you sure I didn't like change a word or two here or there that might have tripped you up? You guys weren't paying. That's possible. Attention?
2: That's my. I, well, no, I, my I gut imagine. says number one, but McMullen goes two, so I have to go two.
4: Yeah, well, you know what? Follow McMullen's gut, not yours. <laughs> the logistical problem with the alligator. Yeah, story two. I mean, they, you know what? I wouldn't put it past drug dealers to be smuggling drugs and anything, but I haven't. I don't have accurate. I don't have anything that says they're doing it with alligators, moving alligators across state lines.
2: I mean, there has to be some story somewhere on the planet of this happening.
3: Oh,
4: of course.
2: I mean, well, you got to trap I kinda...
3: the alligator. I, I mean, you got to trap the alligator. What do you got to put yeah. a GPS on him? Then you got well, to cut him open. I
4: kind of loosely based it on uh, Bad Boys 2.
3: Oh,
4: there we go. Mm-hmm. As they were smuggling drugs in coffins and in dead bodies.
3: You, 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 drug smugglers are trying to avoid work. That's why I went number two.
4: <laughs> you think it'd be too much work to try to get a alligator to cough up whatever is needed? Oh, yeah, because training work. an alligator is impossible. So exactly. once you have one trained, you know, you got to keep going back and using that same one again.
3: <laughs> and then, you know, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get that rep. So you're, you're, you're over, you're done. Your business is done.
2: It's amazing to watch, isn't it? John McMullen masterful through. Another rendition of fake news. Hopefully people are out there learning, picking up the technique to just poke holes through anything that comes out that might be remotely shady or fake. All right, we got a big conversation coming up with John regarding week 2 in the NFL. All these injuries next.
1: You're listening to The Second Level on the SportsMap Radio Network.
0: Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life. Rocket can.
1: From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander. All
2: right, so John McMullen hanging out at JF McMullen, our NFL insider, Mondays and Thursdays, courtesy of Jacob Media. And I just can tell based off of Twitter and other forms of communication that there was something other than sports, specifically the NFL on yesterday, but who knows what it was because we were so locked into another week in the National Football League, and it should start, I'm sure, John, with the level of injury that we see. And granted, this isn't the first year in which a big name has gone down. In the case of Saquon Barkley, somebody tearing their ACL in Week 2, but it sure does feel like NFL players are walking on a
3: minefield
2: right now, and at any given moment, anybody's going to go down.
3: Yeah, it did seem uh, a little bit worse than normal, to say the least. Uh, yesterday, there were so many uh, significant inju- injuries to big-name players around the league, and I think I knew this was going to happen at some point, and I, and I think it already has happened to a degree. People are going to say no season elevated injury risk, at least when it comes to torn ACLs, I I don't think that has much to do with it. Maybe you can argue. And I know the league was worried as a whole with no acclimation period. And they did the best they could uh, that there would be more soft tissue injuries, but it just came down to leak hooker towards Achilles. Yeah. I I mean, those are injuries that I, I don't know if acclimation was going to help. I mean, ACL goes Saquon Barkley. I, I don't know if that was going to change. Having an off season was going to change that. I mean, it's just, this is a brutal sport. It always has been. It always will be. And and that's why we talk about preseason predictions and say, well, if Kansas city stays healthy uh, at the key positions, you know, they're going to be a good football team and things like that. But uh, the right injury on the wrong team, uh, it changes things dramatically and that's why the NFL is so difficult to predict from week to week.
2: Do you think this is going to be a problem moving forward or do you think it's going to kind of wane off a little bit as we get in the next couple of weeks? I mean, if we, you look maybe, at the history,
3: right? yeah. If you look at the history of this league, I mean, those ACL injuries, for instance, they say at a pretty, uh, the same type of level from year to year. So you see pretty much the same much and, and the same amount from year to year. Uh, and obviously you'll see a spike, maybe of five to six on a bad year, more than typical. Uh, but I do think when it comes to injuries like that, again, it's it's sort of luck of the draw. And I always bring up Zach Ertz because he told me this last year, the injury rate in this league is 100%. And if you play it long enough, You're going to get hurt. Simple as that. Just a matter of how dangerous, how devastating that particular injury is. But ultimately, if you play long enough, your card is coming up and you're going to get hurt.
2: Yeah, and, and that's been a big problem for fantasy betting, which is a huge element of this game. It's not just, oh, well, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley play on really bad football teams. It has to do with a lot of how the NFL generates its money and conversation around its sport. And, and I don't think anybody else goes through this where two guys, and we'll use them as an example, John, two guys in McCaffrey and Barkley who clearly from a team standpoint are on squads that aren't doing anything this year, but are humongous losses to the conversation where I don't know if you'd find this yeah. in any other sport.
3: Now, I, and, and, and it is. And, and that type of situation, it doesn't. I, I mean, first of all, the injury rate isn't the same. Uh, and and the fact that you do have, um, in a lot of ways, that's what makes this sport so interesting in the fact that, okay, now you have to go in different directions. And you mentioned, yeah, the Giants and the Panthers aren't expected to be contenders. And, and now they have to figure out ways to move forward with what is, the centerpieces of their offense. I mean, typically you don't see this in other sports, and if you do see it, it might be a, a week or so, or ten days, or two weeks. And and now you got to completely morph in season and, and try to do different things. In a lot of ways, it, it it makes it more interesting. But certainly, that's not what you want to hear uh, if you're a Giants fan or a Panthers fan. Who's the
2: worst team right now in the NFL?
3: Boy, I I mean, I I think the Jets are in that conversation, but that was expected. I I think over the first two weeks, I think the worst team in professional football is the Minnesota Vikings. And I think that surprises everyone. Uh, Veteran coach, uh, a lot of veteran talent on both sides of the football. And, you know, I I, I talked about this a lot. And and this was going to be a, a giant sort of stress test, this whole COVID environment for organizations, and there are certain organizations that are failing miserably. And I think it starts with Minnesota. And then the other surprise, I I think, is right here with us, Eitan, in Philadelphia. I thought, you know, people see the Eagles and see continuity um, and a good organization. And they're failing the stress test right now. And I apologize. There's people in my home, and my dog is barking.
2: No, it's fine. My phone just went off, so I, we can chalk it up. Yeah, but the Eagles. So we were talking about this in the first hour, John. The Philadelphia. There are two teams that are zero and two, and we counted eleven right now. So of the eleven teams, nine are pretty much who they are. Zero and two. They're not going to do anything, even if they turn into a, a seven and nine year, maybe eight and eight. It's pretty much out of the reach. Zero and two is who you are. But the Eagles and the Texans, I think, are the two winless teams that should still have playoffs on the mind. Is that accurate in your
3: opinion? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree more so for the Eagles because bad division. Uh, and, and we'll see about the Texans. It's happened to them in the past, but I think Tennessee, for instance, is a really good team. Uh, and so I think from that standpoint, It's going to be difficult to win the division. I think, you know, the Colts played well yesterday, but they were playing the Vikings, who are a disaster. So you don't know how much that means. And plus, they suffered significant injuries, not only Malik Hooker, Paris Campbell, uh, and a couple other injuries as well. So I think that's going to hurt them moving forward. And remember, there's the extra playoff team as well. So there is at least a chance for these 0-2 teams to have a, a little bit more hope because you do have that extra team. Uh, But uh, it's going to be difficult, and and I think the bad division, let's face it, if the Dallas Cowboys didn't pull off Mm. that comeback yesterday, how bad would the NFC East be looking right now? I mean, it is just a terrible, terrible division.
2: Well, it it still looks bad. It just doesn't look glaringly awful, I think. (laughs) First time in five years a team pulls off an onside kick and it happens to complete a comeback. What do you make of that? Was that more of Dallas just turning on a light, or was that just a representation of how bad Atlanta is if they're not dropping back and throwing the football deep into the air?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of both. If you bring up that onside kick, I mean, the Falcons are sitting there staring at the football. I mean, just go after Yeah, uh, so I, I mean, yeah, I, That at a certain point, it's just a lack of execution. Everybody's going to go back to the Super Bowl and remember that collapse, and, and, and because it's the same head coach, so you put that into the equation as well with game-managing skills, with, with that kind of lead, I think at some point that's fair as well. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to come back from that kind of deficit, obviously – uh, the team that loses probably has more to do with it than the team that wins. Uh, in, in the modern NFL, I mean, people can score points. Um, so maybe that aspect isn't that surprising. But, again, get on the onside kick and, and the game's over. So um, it's got to be a, a, a almost a complete collapse, and that's what it was for the Falcons.
2: Is Ryan Tannehill the MVP? I mean, come on, Russell Wilson threw five touchdowns last yeah. night. Aaron Rodgers is on fire. Lamar Jackson wins again. Even Patrick Mahomes is alive as the Chiefs get that victory
3: in overtime. Yeah, I mean I I, I think Ryan is is you know, saved his career obviously in Tennessee <laughs> and amazing. has done some wonderful yeah, he's done some wonderful things, but I, I don't think he belongs in the conversation with those guys. And the opposite end of that um, COVID-19 spectrum of, of stress test, I think it's it's really comforting to have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers that can run things at the line of scrimmage. Russell Wilson I put in that same category. And they're just so confident in their ability I think at the end of the day, if you can default to a guy like that or guys like that, you're in a good spot. And this year, even more so, you're in a good spot any year, but even more so this year, because you don't have to worry about prepping guys up at the most important position. They know what to do. They know how to handle it. They're not going to lose their heads. And boy, that's. That's more than a comfortable pair of slippers. That's exactly what you needed in this season more than any other.
2: John McMullen, at JF McMullen on Twitter, NFL Insider, courtesy of Jacob Media Mondays and Thursdays. All right, my friend, last one for you here. Who's going to be the first head coach? Is Matt Patricia going to be the
3: first guy out this year? Well, I was wondering if Dan Quinn would make it to next week after that collapse.
2: But he's still here. Like, he should
3: have been fired (laughs) last year. Yeah. So Doug Marone's
2: not going anywhere.
3: No. You know, you bring up Patricia. He's a good one because his team can't stand him. So that adds (laughs) to it as well. I mean, I I talked to Darius. I mean, his team can't stand him. (laughs) Uh so, uh, yeah, I, he would be in the conversation. Uh, like I said, you know, it's interesting. We just talked about the Vikings. Zimmer got an extension. Otherwise, right. he would be on the hot seat. Um, uh, there's obviously a number. Adam Gase, he got to throw. I mean, Adam Gase should have been fired. Brutal. He, he shouldn't. Yeah, I, I mean, he should be in that conversation. And, and his team hates him as well. So, I, I would say those two. Uh, and for whatever reason, it seems like, and and by the way, I never advocate firing coaches during the season. It doesn't have no good. You might as well wait to the end of the season. That seems to be the Falcons thinking with Dan Quinn. But, yeah, I would say Matt, Patricia, Adam, Gaze more than any other because their own locker rooms don't like them. and th- And that puts like an extra point of emphasis on the fact that they shouldn't be there.
2: Awesome stuff, John. Appreciate it, man. It was a crazy week. We're thankful to have you on every Monday to break everything down. Real quick, any chance the Raiders pull this one out?
3: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it would be nice uh to have fans and it just continues to be it just has shifted the landscape so dramatically the fact that there's no home field advantages but uh it's going to be difficult I, I mean the saints are as explosive as as ever but you know michael thomas isn't going to be there they're hoping he gets back uh so it's difficult uh i i would say they're not ready to take that step yet uh, but this is a crazy season i i would still say they're not quite ready to make that kind of signature win.
2: Awesome, John. Thank you, sir. We'll chat Thursday.
3: All right. Thanks a ton.
2: That's our NFL insider, John McMullen. We wrap the hour next on the second level.